If you're comfortable with Facebook ads, you know your way around it and you think you can help someone, find your first customer and get really great results. And there's plenty of ways to find your first customer. My thing is, if you have a network already where you know someone needs help, go ahead and just ask them. Welcome to another episode of Hype Fury Presents. In this episode, I talk to Matthew Pike. Matthew is a software engineer who's combining his tech skills and business skills. Matthew has a top five course on Gumroad on how to build an agency, and we're going to talk about that today. In this episode, we'll go through the steps to starting your own agency, and you'll get a ton of actionable tips. My name is Yannick, co-founder of Hype Fury, and I hope you enjoy the show. Matthew, tell me, you've been selling a lot of agency courses on Twitter. How did you roll into that? And give us a little bit of background on who uh, Matthew is. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I'm actually a software developer. I'm a software engineer by day. So that's what I love to do. I also am huge into business, finance, marketing. And so that's also like a passion. And, you know, believe it or not, before college, I wanted to combine tech and business. That was my passion. That's always what I want to do. And I think right now it's finally coming into fruition where I can combine those two together, but we'll get into that later. But yeah, I think, you know, just starting off, I was on Twitter, mostly just as a finance person. So I was tweeting a little bit about stocks, tweeting about trading and stuff. And then I sort of moved on to, you know, agency work and showing people that side of marketing. And then now I'm moving a little bit towards SaaS. And so my Twitter is always evolving. And my goal is to bring my audience to whatever interests me. And hopefully it starts to interest them as well. And I think that's exactly why my course is selling pretty well. is because I'm really opening up and showing people exactly step by step, like being 100% transparent, like this is what you should do. This is how simple it is, or this is how complex it is. And this is the process of what makes it work. And, you know, people enjoy that and they're seeing great results with it. And yeah, so that's currently where my Twitter is at right now. And so let's back up a little bit. So you're a software developer and how does a software developer create courses for agencies? Are you also in an agency that does software work? What's your day job like? When I say I'm a software engineer, I'm not like a veteran in the industry in software engineering, right? Like Believe it or not, I just graduated a year ago, roughly a year ago. So, you know, I've only one year in the industry right now. So it's not like I have tons of experience and whatnot, but I've always been interested in tech, you know, software development and stuff like that. And marketing has been something more natural to me. It's like, okay, if you want to build a software business, how exactly do you get clients? How exactly do you market it? How do you find people and grow your user acquisitions and whatnot? And that leads more into agency work where it's like, okay, now if you're selling services to businesses, how exactly do you you know, find clients, do good work for them, get results, and then grow and scale your own business? And so it kind of all correlates in this weird way, um, software kind of being like the ground of what my passion is and the business and marketing coming naturally because I want to grow that passion, right? And so that's you know where this agency came from and i think a lot of people have this misunderstanding of what does agency work look like it's a lot of marketing but it's more about the service you want to offer and who you're targeting a lot of people think that agency work is okay we're going to sell ads to these people or we're going to help people run ads but an agency is really just a business structure right it's a way for you to learn a skill or you to have a service that you offer 
and find businesses that are willing to pay for it. I mean, it's as simple as that. And now you want to optimize the pipeline. You want to figure out how to get clients and all of that. And so even me as someone who does software development or maybe me who outsources work, I always think in terms of who are my clients, who is my audience, and how do I market it well? Will this idea work in the future and whatnot? Before you started in software development, did you do any marketing work? Yeah. So in high school, I was big into like online marketing and online business. <laughs> Actually, believe it or not, the first thing I think when I was a freshman in high school, I was scammed by a pyramid scheme online. I was very new to the whole entire online business world. And it was this thing, you can look it up. It's this thing called, I think, Big Idea Mastermind. That's what it was called. And to me, I was like, oh, this is super cool. And it was literally like the greatest funnel I've ever seen. So I opted in somehow. I don't remember exactly how I opted into this person's email list. And then day by day, every single day for the next five days, I'm sent an email with like a video to watch with like a, a timer countdown. Like you have to watch this. It's expiring. So I, I watch it. It's like a 30 minute video. Like you could live in this beach, like crazy stuff. But, you know, at me as a high schooler. Slowly getting brainwashed. Yeah, exactly. Slowly getting brainwashed. But that was me as a high schooler being like, this is amazing. Like this sounds like it's so easy and simple to do. So I, I kept going. By day four, I was locked in like, okay, I, I need to buy this, whatever. And so I get in. And it's like a week later, I realized, like, oh my God, I just felt for like the biggest pyramid scheme. Because like the whole point was they'll teach you marketing just so you can market their service to other people. Right. And so I was like, oh, my goodness, like this is crazy. This is this is not what I want to do. But basically, at that point, I was at a huge loss. I lost like, I think, close to four thousand dollars as a high schooler. So I was like, this is crazy. So I stepped out for another few years and then I came back and, you know, started doing more like social media type of marketing. I grew Instagram accounts. I had an Instagram account at over 100,000 followers at that point. And that's kind of how I kept pushing through online business, online marketing and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. Why did you choose to create a course to build your own agency? My thing is, I was getting so many questions and DMs from people saying, oh, can you help me get started? Can you do this and that? And I would love to help every single person and get them off their feet. But it's too much energy and work for me. And I don't have time for that. And so the thing is, I would love to tell people, just go to YouTube and search it up and you can learn from there. But the number one problem that I see going that route is people are not disciplined enough and there's just so much content covering the same topic. It's like this information overload that kind of actually makes it harder for you to take action, right? Like if I typed in right now on YouTube, how to start a marketing agency, you will find 50 videos talking about it. And here's like what people will do. They'll watch one video or two videos, but oh, this is really good, I'm gonna start it. They work for like a few days and they get stuck. Then they watch another two videos and they're like, okay, this sounds good. They restart the whole process and they do this over and over again until like six months out. And it's like, okay, I've done zero things. And the second thing is YouTube videos don't go very deep into like the actual concepts, like market research. I've yet to find like a solid YouTube channel or video that discusses exactly how you should do market research and why it's important. So that's the first video I have in my course because you need to do the market research in order to understand your audience and your clients before you can even craft an offer, right? Your offer should be based off of data backed by the market research. But a lot of people don't do that. They just think, okay, well, I'm going to sell ads. I'm going to get leads. I'm going to do different things. I'm going to make a website for this person. And it's like some people don't need that. I think my course was there to really show people a very simple explanation, a simple way to get into the agency work 
without being unrealistic and telling them, look, you're going to make $100,000 by tomorrow. And, you know, YouTube videos with crazy clickbait titles and very generic concepts covered. How can someone, because it's not like you have a, a multi-million dollar agency, but you still have like a really good course. You know, I see the reviews. I bought it myself. I think it's it's really good. So how does somebody who, you know, might not have the entire set of experience with running an agency get to create a course like that? Can you run us through that? Yeah. So I think for me, it was, I was seeing that there are courses that are starting to appear that are really well made because they are less, I would say, conceptual and more hands-on and actionable. And I think that's the thing that people need most at this point because you need something that's going to you know, walk you through exactly the concepts, what platforms you need to go on, how to do this and that. And so for me, when I started running my agency, it was like I was so confused in the beginning and watching these videos confused me even more that I just had to pause and do my own thing and find out what process works for me. So my course is really just me just showing you exactly what process that worked for me. And it's awesome because it's working for other people, as you can see, right? And so that's kind of why I made the course. It was more of me being clear with my own process and showing people that this is something that you can also do on your own. And there's a lot of mysticism around agency work that it's super complicated. You need a lot of startup capital. You need a lot of connections and networking. But I just wanted to show people, like, look, I didn't have any connections. I literally did outreach the way I showed. And this is how I got my clients. And so this is how you can do the exact same thing as me. Let's say I know a little bit about Facebook ads. I'm thinking of starting a uh, Facebook ads agency to help. I don't know. Let's pick a niche you're familiar with or pick anything. How would I go about to you know get my agency up and running? Yeah, super simple. So I would say, look, if you're comfortable with Facebook ads, you know your way around it and you think you can help someone. Find your first customer and get really great results. And there's plenty of ways to find your first customer. My thing is, if you have a network already where you know someone needs help, go ahead and just ask them. If they say no, okay, fine. We have plenty of different channels. Cold email is one of them. You can even run your own Facebook ads to get leads for your agency. And the third thing I started talking about a lot recently is joining like Facebook groups. For example, let's say you're targeting plumbers, HVAC, or, you know, I always use that example. We can change it up. Let's say we're targeting dentists, for example. First, what you want to do is go on Facebook, type in on Facebook like dentists, go to the groups category, and you'll find like hundreds of Facebook groups related to dentists. Join a few and start posting very relevant content to the group. A lot of people make mistakes on this where they'll join like a, a dental meme group, for example. And they'll start posting very irrelevant content. People are only there for the memes, right? So that's probably not the best group you want to join. If you want to start posting valuable content, you want to join a different group. Now, once you're in a group that's, you know, asking questions, posting value, you want to do that for at least a week or two weeks. So gain your credibility, you know, show your face around there. People start seeing you more and more. Okay, they're used to you. Now you can start posting more actionable content and see what people are responding to it how they're responding to it. So if they start commenting on like, oh, this is really cool, I'll check it out. Or, oh, can you explain more about this and that? Those are the people you want to now DM and ask them more and follow up. And you know now you have a conversation going on with very hot leads. And now these people are the ones you want to book an appointment with and get on the phone and close them with your offer. 
Now, that's a really, really awesome way to find clients, especially because those Facebook groups have tens to hundreds of thousands of very targeted individuals that you're looking for. So that's how I would start the agency. And then from there, you want to build the process out in the pipelines. So another thing I talk to people a lot about is how do you get your agency to be successful after your first, second, third client? The thing I tell people is this, the biggest mistake they make is trying to automate the process before it's even a process. So a lot of people are like, how do I find someone to do my cold emails? How do I find someone to do my sales closing? How do I find someone to do the service fulfillment? Well, the thing is, until you've done it on your own and you know how it works, I wouldn't hire it out because you need a process first, a working repeatable process before you can automate it. And that's the whole point. Like I have a process that I know works. I know how to do my outreach. I know exactly how I do my outreach. I know how I close people on the phone. I know my sales really well. And then I know how to do the service fulfillment. I've kind of systemized that as well. So now that I have these processes and I know it works over and over again, I'll just find the right people to duplicate the same work for me. And that's when you want to automate and outsource. And a lot of people try doing that step beforehand. And that's the mistake they make. So I would say do everything on your own first. And then once it starts working, your agency really starts to become successful once you hire out and automate that process. You know, a lot of people, when they start out with an agency, they just, you know, they might go into Facebook groups and then the first thing they say is, hey, I just started an agency. Who wants to, you know, get help? And they're all like, yeah, we've seen this before. Who are you? What are you doing here? They'll kick you out. They'll kick you out. Yeah, they'll kick you out of the group. Right. And that's the, that's the whole point. So you never want to say like, I'm an agency. I do this. Who needs help? You want to post value. For example, if you're in a dental group, maybe you post a few posts that say like, yo, you guys should check this out. Try doing this. And you list like three steps. Boom. That's one post. People like it. Wow. Very cool. Thanks. Thanks for the heads up. You keep doing that over and over. Now you're like seen as you're positioning yourself as an expert in that group. And now once you, you're getting traction, Maybe the next week you post this. Hey, for any dental owners, business owners in this group, what is your biggest problem getting customers? Boom, post that question. You'll start seeing that there's so many people that's, that's responding to that. And now you know everyone who comments, they're first of all, they're a dental business owner. Boom, hot lead. Second of all, now you kind of know what their problem is and you can follow up and you know talk to them more. So that's a very great conversation starter. And that's how you want to do it. You want to make it as organic as possible. You know, It's like a sales call. You don't want to go on the sales call sounding like you're a salesman, right? And so that's probably the best way that I would approach Facebook groups. What's your process of selecting what Facebook groups to you know enter and respond to? Okay, the memes part, that's maybe obvious, but do you look at size, geography, what kind of things you look at? You know, I actually don't consider that too much. I only consider it like, can I post relevant information in this group? I think that's where that's the baseline question that you want to ask yourself. Like, can I post relevant information in this group? If it's a meme page, I can make it work by creating memes that relate to what I want to post. But if it's too much of like a technical group where, you know, for example, some HVAC groups are very technical. You know, some of them, you know, are like hardware HVAC groups where they're just talking about like the newest tools that are released and, you know, like physical tools to help them out. You know, and that's like a group I wouldn't join. Right. So I would join a group if I know that I can post relevant information in. And you don't look, you know, when you're in California, you don't look at a group that's based in California. You just go nationwide. Yep. And that's because, you know, when I started my agency and the way I show people now is, you know, I think being location independent is a smart way to go because you don't want to 
just solely target one single region. And so my target audience is, you know, it ranges all over the country. And that's just for another reason. Like something interesting that came up when I was doing HVAC was there was this one client I was talking with and he asked me like, wait, what is your location policy? And I was confused because I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, okay, so, you know, would you work with another HVAC company five miles away from me? And I was like, oh, that's what he means, right? And so I'm a scrappy person. So on the spot, I was like, oh, no. So my policy is I'm not going to work with any other HVAC company within 80 miles of you, which was it's, that's pretty far. So I could have probably lessened that. But on the spot, I said that. And so he's like, oh, that's excellent. Okay, let's get to work then. So that's also another reason why I don't want to like specifically state that I'm only working in this one region because of policies like that. And also, you know, it just, you have a wider audience. So a lot of people come to me, I know this is kind of off topic, but some people come to me like, should I specialize in one region and target all the niches? Like if I focus just in Florida, you know, can I take on any business in Florida versus can I target any niche, but all over the place, right? So those are two different types of agencies. And I tell people I prefer the secondary where you target a niche, but they're from anywhere around the state because then your market research becomes a lot easier because now you're doing market research on a specific niche and instead of a huge region or populated area. And you get better results doing it that way, I think. So you post uh, valuable information in the groups, you get to know the people, they start reacting, you DM the people who react. Now, how do you create an offer for them and how do you price that? That is going to differ by niche and what your offer exactly is. So before I get into Facebook groups, I would already have the market research completed. Like I know what the typical business makes per month. And if I don't know, I'm going to ask them and be straight up about it. And then from there, I'm going to you know figure out, okay, exactly how should I price my offer? So typically I would have only one price. I don't change it and whatnot. And I would only look for clients who make a certain amount of money or more per month. That's just because you don't want to work with a company that makes $5,000 per month and they're going to pay you 20% of the revenue for you to run ads for them. And now the burden is on you to really build their business and help them out when they're already on like a sinking ship. You know, you don't want that burden and that's just not a healthy relationship between you and your client. So for me, the way I price it is, look, okay, I'm assuming my clients are making already $20,000 to $30,000 a month or more. And so my offer is going to be roughly, you know, $2,000 to $2,500 a month. And then that does not include their ad spend. So that's how I would discover it. And then when I'm talking to them through Messenger on Facebook, before I get on the phone with them, I'm going to ask them, hey, so how much is your business making per month? And what channels are you doing to get, you know, outreach to new clients? Is it all just word of mouth? You know, how does that work? So for me to understand their processes before, you know, I really offer what I have to offer. So usually the offering part is the very last thing I do. It's still uh, consider that, that we're doing uh, the dentist agency. The leads are probably worth at least hundreds of dollars, probably, you know, in the thousands, some leads you get. Definitely thousands, yeah. Lifetime value of a customer for a dentist is probably a few thousand, yeah. And so what do you bring, you know? Do you just bring them leads or literally appointments? And how do you structure something like that? Yep. Yep. So it's going to depend on what you want to do and what the deliverable looks like for your client. So for the dental niche, you probably want to measure it by booked appointments. That's probably the best way to measure it. 
you know, dentists really don't do a lot of like, oh, here's a lead. Let me call them up. Right. They don't do that. They like to book appointments and then that's how they talk to, you know, prospects. And, you know, people usually just come into the office if they need like a checkup or if they're they're new. And so that's how they do it. So booked appointments is probably the best way. And so you measure it by I love Zapier. And so whatever channel I'm using to get, you know, leads, if it's Facebook ads, for example, right, I can have it go to a landing page or just do a lead form directly from the ad itself. And the Zapier will connect it. So it will populate a Google spreadsheet for me and for my client and or it'll give me a text and give them a text. So whatever way that the client wants the lead delivered, whether it's in their own CRM or whether it's, you know, by text, by call, by you know, an email or a spreadsheet filled up, I'll have a duplicate copy so I know and I can track all that information. So at the end of the month or at the end of the week, I can be like, hey, these are how many booked appointments we got you, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and you can measure your metrics that way. And so you got your deal set up. You want to book appointments for your dentist. How do you now set up a campaign to actually get the appointments? Yeah. So this is getting more technical into how do you actually set up the Facebook ads, but it's essentially going to be based upon the ad budget that they give you. So for example, if they gave me $2,000 a month to spend, you know, my daily rate is not going to actually end up being $2,000 a month because you have to test out which creatives and which ad sets work really well. So an ad set is, you know, really focused on a specific audience. And so you want to, you know, differentiate that. So what I would do first is think about, okay, who are their customers? You know, first of all, what location are they and what are their interests? So this is part of the market research that you want to do for your client is thinking, okay, you know, where are these customers coming from? Maybe they love to shop at this place or they like to go to this place, right? So for example, for HVAC, a lot of them love going to Lowe's or some hardware store. So I would interest, you know, target based off this interest or this location. And so you want to do the same thing for your clients. And by doing it this way, you'll have multiple different test ad sets that you want to use and you'll set each of them up on a small, low budget and see which ones perform well over the next, I would say, at least two to three days. Because doing it by one day, you need Facebook's algorithm to give it a chance to actually work and improve itself. A lot of people do this wrong where maybe they'll put 15 bucks a day and they see like one result and they were expecting like three or four and they cancel the ad set. In reality, Facebook needs time to optimize and maybe the next day you'll get like four leads and the rest is history. But you need some time for Facebook to actually optimize on its algorithm. But yeah, that's exactly how I would go about it. Doing the research, then creating the ad sets, and then maybe even different campaigns based off retargeting. So you'd uh, implement uh, like a retargeting pixel on their website. Talk me through some campaigns that did really well, where you could really perform, deliver a lot of leads or appointments, and maybe a couple of examples where that didn't work out, you know, within a couple of weeks or maybe even a couple of months and how you went about that. Yeah, yeah. So I'll give you two examples, one where it worked really well, one where it did not work as planned. But the first one, I'll give you the bad story, is I was actually first targeting teachers, Right. I was targeting teachers and showing them, hey, I'm going to show you how you can actually start, you know, reaching an audience online. And so you can create, you know, your own videos, you can kind of market them and you kind of make money on the side that way, especially during quarantine. I felt like it might be a hot topic. And so I was like, okay, let me do this. So I talked to like I was getting a lot of leads for myself. And as I was speaking to teachers, I was asking them, okay, so what is the budget you want to work with, you know, how do you want to go about this? And the average budget that I received back was 20 to $30 a month. And I was like, 
oh man, I'm not sure if we can, you know, work this out. But one person really wanted to try it. So I worked with them. I don't want to speak about the results, but it didn't go well. And I warned them ahead of time, like this budget is so small that I don't even know if I would be able to test it properly. Because after maybe three days of testing, your budget is exhausted. You know, what else do we work with here? And so that just didn't work well. And that's why you do a lot of market research in advance. And, you know, after that, it told me this is not a niche I should go into because, you know, that's just the truth. You know, I would love to help them out. But if their budget is so low that they can't even, you know, run ads for themselves or not even just run ads, but they can't afford to even build you know, websites, they can't afford to even record videos. So a lot of them don't even have the time and effort to do that. Then it's just something I can't help them with. I think, yeah, doing the research is really important. So you know, what are you talking about? How much money do they have to spend? But also how much money do they have to gain? Otherwise, there's no budget, you know, if they're not making any money, there's no budget. And the other way around, you know, when you're just starting out with your agency, you want to score, you want to get new clients, but you really need to uh, understand that getting a client who has like a budget of 50 bucks, you know, you might want to, you could do something, but probably it'll end up with, you know, a lot of misery and people not being um, uh, happy with each other. So yeah, it's also important to keep your eagerness down even though you want to help somebody but if you see the budget is just shit then yeah don't get started yeah and a lot of people take that wrong path where they're so excited because they have oh wow this person actually wants to work with me i don't care what their budget is you know i'm getting paid for this and then they realize a week later like oh no this is not going to end well so my advice would be if you're a beginner really consider you know all those factors before you actually work with the client I know it's super exciting, but you do have to say no sometimes, and that's actually going to give you more power in the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And is is that also part of your course where you help people, hey, set boundaries, you know, uh, ask the right questions before you get somebody on board? How, how does that work? You know, that would be a great module that I can add, or maybe even you can record it for me <laughs> and add it to the course. But uh, maybe I touch upon it, but I don't think I go deep into it enough where I should probably explain that more. But I do post about it on Twitter. So if they also follow me, they should probably see that as well. Cool. And now let's talk about the success story. Oh, yeah. So a, a nice success story was working with one of my, actually my first, it was my second HVAC client. He was already working with another agency and he was paying them $6,000 a month, right? So he was paying them $6,000 and he was telling me, yo, you know, I don't know if I trust agencies anymore. This person I'm working with, I'm locked in for the next three months, but the leads I'm getting are so bad. Like for the HVAC industry, I think the best way they measure the leads are can they afford the services or can is the financing options available to their clients? And for this person, all the leads, even the financing options wasn't enough to help them become an actual customer. And so they were like, yeah, like this is not working. You know, I'm not sure if we can, you know, work with you because we don't think it's going to, you know, work out well. And I told them, look, you know, that's the, this is when the market research comes in where I already knew, yes, they get a lot of leads, but they're all pretty bad and trash. But no one in this, you know, when I was doing this, this person, this agency wasn't qualifying the leads, which was like mind blowing to me. Like, why wouldn't you want to qualify? But what I realized is a lot of agencies like to boast like the number of leads they get people like I can get you 50 leads a month. But to that person, if only one of them are good, one of them is good, then it's useless. Right. So I'd rather get this person maybe 15 or 10 leads, but these are way more qualified and these end up being really well. So 
this is why I told the person like, hey, look, you know, I'm not going to even guarantee you this many leads, but I will tell you that I will qualify these people. So when you get on the phone with these people, they're people that you want to talk with and people that know can afford your services before you even ask them. And this guy was like, how do you do that? And to me, it's like, okay, I'm just going to qualify them. But to this person, he's like, no, there's no way you can do that. That would save me hours every week and whatnot, and my, my sales team and whatnot. And by the way, this person was making around $80,000 a month with his business. So he was pretty up there. So, you know, it worked out well for me. And so I told him, yeah, this is what I can do for you. So we talked a little bit more on the same phone call. We agreed to work with it. Um, he paid me $2,500 and we got started right away. And this went really well because I actually just added like, three simple questions re- regarding the qualification form for him. And just like that, he was getting qualified customers with his Facebook campaigns. And the campaign setting up for him was pretty simple since he already knew a lot about you know his target audience because the previous agency he worked with, they were very transparent. And he's like, yeah, this is what I told them. And so he just gave me the same exact information. So onboarding was a breeze, which I really appreciated. The results, we definitely got a lot less leads. I think we got like 40% less leads in the previous agency with the same ad budget, but these were a lot better, yeah. right? And so maybe out of five calls, one of them was not qualified still, but that's a lot better than having 10 calls and eight of them being not qualified or nine of them being not qualified. So he loved it and we kept working. But eventually with even this client, I moved over because I was like, look, you know, I was doing this solo, right? My agency. And so I wanted to get more clients. I just didn't have the time. So what I did was tell him, hey, look, instead of me running it for you, because honestly, it's like an hour a day at most for me to maintain your ads, maybe create new creatives. Let me teach you how to do it, which is another business model I introduced with my agency. So now instead of paying me $2,500 a month, which is around you know $20,000, $30,000 a year, you can save all of that, pay me a one-time fee, and I'll just show you and walk you through the whole business manager, how to set it up, how to actually work with your ads and whatnot. And so he was like, yeah, that sounds excellent. Let me get actually, and he actually got his nephew because I, I thought this is my selling point. I was like, Look, you know, I want to teach like anyone in-house, like whether it's your cousin, your nephew, your uncle, right, your son, your daughter. And it's like, oh, that's a great idea. Let me get my nephew on for a summer project. And I was like, this is perfect. So I taught him. He paid me another $5,000, I believe. And we got started and I taught him how to do everything. And now they run it on their own. And yeah, that's basically one of my, you know, very first success stories where that kind of combination of two models kind of mixed and formed perfectly. Cool. And so, okay, you got your first clients, you're trying to get them happy, you're qualifying uh, their leads, probably asking, you know, when are you buying? Do you have certain finance options? What are you exactly looking for? So adding some qualifying questions, you get your customers on board, and then you want to grow your business. So you keep finding clients, probably keep interacting in the dentist group or the HVAC group. How do you grow your agency? Yep. So growing it is you need more manpower. Like you alone, you can work eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, whatever. Me plus one, now we can work 16 hours, 20 hours a day. So you need someone else to help you out with operations and only the ones that are going to help you make more money, right? A lot of people think that they can outsource, you know, some random tasks. I say only outsource tasks that are going to move the money ball, right? Like maybe outsourcing people to do outreach for me, finding someone to actually do the content creation, posting in groups, sending the emails out, doing all the outreach, and I'll just take care of the sales. 
right? And so that's exactly how you would grow. Maybe you hire a team of three or four people and there's more technical things you have to do. Like if you're going to send more emails, you need more domains to send from. If you want people to post more for you, now you have them joining the groups on their personal profile. Now they're posting more. So now we have like a team on there. Now we have like multiple people getting leads and all funneling to my sales system. So all the booked appointments still come through me. And that's exactly how now our pipeline gets built and now it's full. Yeah. And, you know, you, you did this by yourself and you were probably wondering, you know, how do I, I get more leads? And then you came up with clean leads. You were probably helping yourself and you were helping a lot of people who were, you know, having the same uh, issues. Yeah. So clean leads is actually a white label SaaS platform. So the great thing is I was in the middle of developing two other SaaS platforms. Development takes, a, you know, at least two weeks to get a basic prototype and then up to a few months to get everything else up and running. But with a white label SaaS, it's like you can get it up and running in a day. So literally me and Cold Email Wizard Dan, right, we were like, this just makes so much sense for us to own and to have because it relates to both of our businesses and it's going to help everyone. And it's almost like affiliating, right? You don't want to affiliate for a product that you know is not good or that sucks or it's irrelevant. And so same thing that we did was like, okay, does this white label platform, does it work for what we want to do? Does it work for other people? Like, will it help them? If it is, then this is a no brainer for us. Let's take it on. And so that's exactly how we started Clean Leads. And it took us Believe it or not, like two days to set up. We hired someone, actually a few more days. We hired someone to create the landing page for us, which took a few days. But once we got that, it was just connecting the dots. Like, okay, connect the domain to this, connect the landing page, the login goes to this website, and boom, just like that, we're ready to go. And we have never paid for paid advertising yet. What we have done is all organic, just sending to our email list from our course buyers, putting videos in our courses, and just posting briefly on Twitter. And it's doing pretty well just from organically we're moving into more you know paid channels but yeah that's basically how cleanly started and how we're operating still it looks very nice as well so run us a little bit through how clean leads works and how it can help people get more leads what do you do yeah so i think the best feature of clean leads there's two is linkedin scraping which we actually have to say LinkedIn extracting because LinkedIn scraping uh, is not the proper terminology, um, but LinkedIn extracting and also filtering to get only decision maker emails. Now, this is super important. Like if you use any other platforms, I don't want to just name them out there and throw them under the bus. But if you use other platforms, you're getting leads and you might be like, wow, I just got 10,000 leads. But once you start looking at the emails, you're realizing, well, you can't really do anything with them because they're like info at this.com, sales at this.com. And it's like those will never get opened and answered and whatnot. So you want to get like the decision maker, the, the marketing person or like the president or the CEO or the co-owner or the owner, whatever. So I think Clean Leads, one of the best features is that you can enter like a list of companies or domains and just filter out and it'll search and try finding only those personal emails. And that's exactly the email that you want to be sending to. So people are like, well, I put in a list of a thousand. I only got like a hundred or 150 or 200 back. Like, is that good? And I'm telling you, like you send 150 personalized first line emails to these people, to these decision makers, you're going to get responses and it's going to work out well for you. So that's, I think, a great platform for that. And there's also lead discovery. So, you know, 
it's like a nice ecosystem because there's a database of over 500 million local leads and then also 15 million like B2B leads already scraped for you. So you can you know narrow it down by niche and whatnot. And once you have that list, you just put it through the filter. So it's kind of like a cycle. You get that list from clean leads, you put it through the clean leads filter, you have these emails, and now you can work with them and do whatever you want with them. Nice. So you and uh, Cold Email Wiz, you, you're both using your Twitter audience to you know, talk about your courses and now clean leads. You, you've only been on Twitter for a year now, but you're already you know, above 20,000 followers, 24,000, I think, something like that. Run us through how you got started on Twitter, why you chose Twitter, how you grew your account. Yeah, so I kind of grew Twitter. My older brother was using it before me. I mean, I had like another Twitter from like middle school and like high school that I never used at all. And then I started getting serious. Yeah, last year, beginning last year is when I officially created it in January. Still didn't do much with it in the beginning. It was only until I think March is when I actually started like posting and whatnot. And, you know, it was funny because I used to have discussions with my brother, like, yo, if you can just get like 10, 20 followers a day, that would be amazing. Like we're doing crazy, like we would grow so fast. And then now it's like, it's totally different. But, you know, besides that, it's like my Twitter, I treat it as if it's a funnel to whatever I want to show people, whether it's maybe a cool YouTube channel, whether it's a course, whether it's my new SaaS product, whatever it is, but I treat it as a funnel in that sense. I hate that word funnel because it sounds so scammy in a way, but it's really like a way for me to educate people and continuously get them in my pipeline and putting my content in front of their faces. So Twitter to me is like the greatest platform because it's literally free traffic. It's free traffic to whatever you want it to be. Now the trick is how do you target the right people and how do you get people to follow you? And that's when you have to really give a lot of value. Like I've given out, I think over 20 like business models and different businesses that you can start up and people actually take action. Like I posted a DM that I got from someone who's like, hey, I did exactly what you said here in this thread and I made $6,000. And I was like, what the heck? Like this is insane. And so that I realized this is crazy. And once people start seeing that, they start following you more and more. So what I did, I, I got to 10,000 followers and then within two weeks, I was at 20,000. I was like, what is happening here? So within those two weeks, I posted a thread a day for I think five or six days straight. And I think that's what got me all those followers because each of those threads was getting like 100 retweets, 1,000 favorites, and the impressions were like all over 100,000 for each thread. So I was like, this is insane. And that's literally how I grew like crazy. Now, obviously, I would post a thread every day, but I can't just pull content out of my butt and just, you know, fluff it around. So I'm only going to post valuable content. So I can't force it out there. But so my obviously, my growth has slowed down since then. But I know that if I want to grow, it's a simple formula. Provide value and make it actionable. And that's exactly why people want to follow you. And so that's what I've been doing. And that's the goal of my Twitter right now is just to provide as much valuable as possible, much value as possible. And that's exactly how I've been able to grow so much. And so how did you get your first 10,000 followers? Yeah, it's, you know, it's very interesting. Believe it or not, so there was this person going around, not person, there was this account. It was like a game. I don't even know what type of, it was like a gaming shout out account. They had like, I don't know, I don't even know, 100,000 or maybe 200,000 followers. And I actually paid, so back when I had like 200 followers, I paid them like 500 bucks for a quick shout out and they did it. And I gained like, I think like three, 4,000 followers, like super fast. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then after that, 
the next day I was like, okay, why am I losing like 400 followers a day? And so I was like, oh gosh. But then real, I realized later on, like that was like the complete wrong move to make because you're getting followers who don't care about you and your content at all. They're just random people who wanted to get on the shout out because they could win 500 bucks or, you know, some crazy giveaway like that. And I was like, okay, this is not the way to go. I wish I didn't do that. But, you know, I was like, okay, whatever. So at that point I had like a few thousand, but then growing from there took a long time. I think getting to your first 10,000 takes the longest time. Like I know it was within one year, which is fast for a lot of people. But to me, it felt like eternity. Like I was spending an hour or two hours every day thinking about what tweets to post, how to tweet, which is why Hype Fury is a lifesaver. Like scheduling my tweets is the best thing I did. But it's like, insane because i spend so much time on twitter and i i'm a person who says like you should produce more than you consume and to me i use twitter to produce instead of consume a lot and so i'm fine with it and it helps me because i can reach a bigger audience and it's kind of like my platform my go-to platform to you know show people what i'm doing and that's exactly why i'm justifying my time spent on twitter and so before you did the threads where you gave a lot of value to reach the 10,000 followers, did you engage with a lot of other people? Did you just tweet more random stuff or what, what, what did you do? Yeah. So lucky me, my older brother is also on Twitter and he was ahead of me by, you know, a lot of followers back then. And so occasionally he would give me a quick shout out, but that would get me like a hundred followers or, you know, not too many. But I think the trick is you have to kind of be yourself, but also post value. So a lot of people like trolling on Twitter and that's how you kind of show your personality. But trolling only gets you so far because you're not actually posting anything valuable. So I wanted to be like, okay, look, this is a total observation, but on my end, no one was posting about agency, agency work on Twitter until I really stepped in and started promoting it like crazy, right? And so, you know, I don't want to give myself credit for that. But I think for me, because it was like a unique angle that I was coming from, a lot of my Twitter feed was how do you flip products like sneakers? How do you flip different things? How do you invest in the stock market? How do you trade your way to a million dollars? All of these different like, you know, hustles. But no one was talking about how do you actually help businesses grow and get paid for it as well. And that's kind of what I wanted to bring onto the side of Twitter. And I started doing that and I realized people like when you're unique in your angling. And that's why I started posting more about that. And that's kind of how I gained traction. So I look at my old tweets and they sound like my new tweets right now. But instead of having like 100, 200, 300 favorites, they had like 13 or 8. But that's that you got to start somewhere. That's where your traction grows from because people will scroll down your feed and keep reading. Be like, is this guy someone I should follow? And boom, they start seeing like, wow, this guy was posting months ago about this. You know, then that's when they start following. That's why I, I treat it as a funnel in that way where you can imagine is the first thing they see is my pin tweet. My pin tweet is a thread of all threads where it has so many. I got to update it, by the way, but it has so many threads on there that they're like, holy cow, like this person is someone I should definitely follow if he's going to keep posting content like this. Then they follow me. And over the next few days, I keep posting valuable content. They like it. And then they kind of are convinced like, wow, okay, maybe I should start considering doing this. So they, they think about it for a few days. Maybe a week later, they, they keep seeing my content and they're kind of convinced at that point, like, okay, I'm going to try this out. And boom, they buy the course and that's how it works. And so my goal is not to, you know, manipulate the way it works, but it's like, if I want to show people like you can do this, then I'm going to show people like you can do this and do it the right way. And so that's kind of how I treat my Twitter right now. But as I said, it's evolving more from just agency to agency SaaS hybrid. And eventually it's going to change it to something else. We'll see what it's going to be. 
Can you run us through how you build your threads? Because, you know, there's a model to it. You know, you need a hook. You need people to read all the way through. You need people to retweet. How does it work? Yeah, so actually, believe it or not, my first few threads, I didn't even think about the structure a lot. It was just my myself just explaining things out there. But I think the best way to write a thread is your first line of that thread has to be captivating. Like as if you're a smaller account, you have to be more specific, like how to do X in X days or how do you do this with this process, whatever. And then that's it. Keep it short and simple and sweet. And then that's their first, you know, first tweet. For me now, since I already have my following, the kind of use of my threads, I can make it more vague. I can add a little bit more style into it and then people will still open it. But I think the structure of your thread is simple. A short opening, a second, you know, my second tweet is always like a, oh, kind of like a disclaimer, like, yo, if you're looking to do this, you know, don't do this. Or if you're, if you're lazy, don't do this. You know, something like that where it gets them even more hooked. And then after that, it's just step by step, like one, do this, two, do this, three, do this, four, do this, five, do this, boom. And then a follow up, which is like a plug to my course or whatever I'm building, a SaaS product, anything. That's how I end it. And schedule it all in hype theory, by the way, like I just write it in hype theory, schedule it and just forget about it. And yep, that's that's how I do my threads. Great, great. And so is there also, do you ask for people to retweet? How do you get, you know, the juice flowing? Okay, now you have 24,000 followers, but I guess before you your account was that popular, how did you get, you know, people to retweet and engage with it? Yeah, so, you know, the longer you're on Twitter, the more you start networking with people. And it's it's super simple. Like if there's someone that you want to help retweet, you don't, and if you never talk to them, they're not going to ever even read your, you know, message like, hey, can you retweet this for me? But if you talk to them for a while, right, then sure, you know, that they're your friend now or your acquaintance or buddy or whatever, they'll do you a favor and they'll probably ask you, like, hey, can you do this for me as well? And so you're kind of, you're not trading retweets, but you're kind of networking in a way that's mutually beneficial to both of you guys. And so whether this is in like a networking group that you have on Twitter or whether it's just a person that you message, but you know, it never hurts to reach out like that. Engagement groups are very iffy. I'm not a huge fan of like forced engagement groups where it's like you got to, you know, retweet once a day, you got to like this and you have like a, a set schedule what you got to do. I'm more of like, if the content resonates with me, I will retweet it if you ask me to. But if it's something that's completely irrelevant to me and I'm just forced to do it because I'm in this group, that's where it gets a little iffy for me. So I'm very stingy with my retweets, um, but that's just because, you know, I don't want to show irrelevant content to my followers. And I think they respect me for that, my followers, or maybe they don't even care at all. But at least for me, it's like something that I want to hold myself accountable to. But if it's something I really enjoy and you ask me like, yo, can you retweet this for me? I will have no problem at doing it at all. Yeah, it's very powerful. And I think a lot of people underestimate the power of, you know, it's it's a social platform. You need to connect in the DMs and, you know, form proper connections. So what's your, you know, I wouldn't call it a tactic, but what's your, I don't know, modus operandi to, you know, connect with others? Yeah, so, you know, I think Twitter is only useful if you connect with people. I mean, that's you, it's hard to grow to like 10,000, 20,000 followers without connecting with people because, those people help you out on your on your journey, right? And it's like you guys both help each other out. And so imagine like if I have 5,000 followers and someone else has 5,000 followers, we just met, we start talking, we realize we have similar things in common, but our audiences are slightly different and they don't overlap a lot. Boom, 
wow, we can mutually benefit. Your followers come to me, my followers come to you, but not in just that way. But now we're kind of collaborating in a way where we're opening up future partnerships with each other. We can talk about different things. And that's how I love to use Twitter where it's like, I'm talking a lot about followers and, you know, getting followers from people, but it's usually nothing to do with followers at all. Like certain people, like if I know you're good at one thing, I'll message you like, hey, I, you know, it seems like you're really great at this. I need help with this. Is it something that we can work with or we can do to set up? And boom, just like that, we're talking and whatnot. And so Twitter is like the greatest space because resumes and those things don't matter. It's just you versus that person and you guys just talking it out and collaborating and yeah, it's just, it's been amazing. My telegram is full of people who I talk with who I've never seen in person, but I've only seen them on Twitter and we work really, really well. And I built businesses with people from Twitter and, you know, partnerships and, and things like that. And so it's crazy to see how much Twitter is involved in networking with people. And you should be, if you're on Twitter, networking with people not to trade followers but to really trade ideas build each other up and and you know and support and encourage each other cool man thanks matthew this has been a great talk where can people find you yeah i mean they can find they can find me on twitter i am starting a youtube channel i've been saying that for a while now but i'm waiting for a, a microphone to come in from my camera and whatnot but yeah my youtube channel will come up i actually want to start podcasting more you know this was really fun um, I have so many things I want to do. I'm a person of action, so I'm not going to say I'm going to do it until I'm actually committed to it. But yeah, lots of things planned for you guys. Follow my Twitter for a whole bunch of updates and a lot of value that you guys can learn from me as well. And yeah, it's been a great time. Thanks, Yannick. Thanks, man. Thanks. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next show. If you enjoyed this one, please leave an iTunes review and give us a shout out on Twitter with your favorite part. See you again next week.